sorry, Alex, but you were a million miles away. Uh, no, it's all right. I had a strange thought. What do you call a premonition? I thought I saw something. Ah, it's gone. You still look a little pale. I'm just tired, that's all. Well, you've been working hard. Your daddy's sure going to be proud of what you've done here at Snow Peak. If we make our investment back. This place is sell itself. All you got to do is take the checks to the bank. I hope you're right. And thanks for the vote of confidence. Your daddy doesn't know you like I do. He's got you nervous. You'll do just fine. Everyone else is gone. Will you be needing anything else tonight? No, no. Go ahead and go. Um, we're finished for the night. Thanks, Mr. Bourne. Welcome to Definitely First Blood. My name is Mitch. And I'm Christopher, and we are a horror movie podcast. We talk about horror movies from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s, and sometimes today. Just do it. And sometimes today. I was going to wait until you right at the end of the intro. You oh, know, it's no, like it's a cool. Punctuation. You do it. You drink that PBR, my friend. Yeah. I feel like PBR is a good choice of beer for this movie. I feel like these characters would have probably drank PBR. Well, it's American. It's yeah. 80s. It's a ski movie. Après ski. Après ski. No, I guess these were all rich people. They were all yuppies. I so guess. Like, I mean, they were all... They would have drinking, what, vodka and tab? Yeah, exactly I <laughs> what I was going to say. I was going to say, did tab make a beer? Did they? No. Uh, what was that one? Slice, maybe? There was that one beer that was like Sparks. I, I think that know. was it. I don't know. I'm not well-versed in 80s American uh, coolers. Spuds McKenzie. Yeah, man. He's the original party animal. It's a silver bullet. It's, uh, what's the one with the mountains? Is that Coors? Yeah, man. On the label? Yeah. The mountains of Colorado. Well, we happen to hey, live with a sponsor us. brewery. Yeah. Sponsor us. Any of those things we just mentioned. Oh my mentioned. God, can you imagine if we got sponsored? Well, you know, mm. here's the thing about getting sponsored. Would have to check the email. So, uh, they're in Liza. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> It's really not worth it. <laughs> Just kidding. You haven't read any books or anything this week? We're really getting closer no. and closer to uh, the old Xmas. We still have not put up the tree. We will. You had to get a COVID test today. I did. Uh, the outbreak in my workplace is turning into... Quite the outbreak. A provincial outbreak. Like provincial? A, well, no, I mean like like notable oh, in yeah, the yeah. province. You know what I mean? Where people... Newsworthy. It's newsworthy that it's in a specific location. <laughs> and you got the nose one done. Yeah. Which you said wasn't actually that bad? Um... I mean, definitely not something I would do again for fun. <laughs> well, very few medical tests are. Well, I just always assumed it would be like really... Uh, it wasn't... It felt in, feel very invasive it was painful it did feel very invasive uh and it was one of it's one of those feelings that creates like a persistent feeling for like the next two hours in your nasal cavity where you can like ah, i can still feel it twisting oh dear <laughs> twisting and twisting yeah. scraping off all of my little cells uh, who knows where they send them who knows probably life labs yeah 
you know there's got to be a vampire who works there who just takes little nips off the top <laughs> of the blood samples. That's the plot of several, like, movies and stuff. It would make sense. We are trucking right along with winterish, Christmas-ish movies. This one had a New Year's banner at the beginning, so mm. we jumped the shark a little bit on that. But there's snow on the there's ground. There's snow, and that sounds like Christmas to and me. And one of the characters' <laughs> noses, am I right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. We're talking about Iced from 1988, mm-hmm. uh, filmed in Utah. Oh. Directed by Jeff Quitney. And you better believe he wrote on Animaniacs, Street Sharks, Extreme Dinosaurs. Mummy's Alive, Cow and Chicken, and Hysteria. Wow. All of our 90s uh, cartoon dreams. That's amazing. I I feel bad for criticizing his writing later in this. <laughs> well, he directed it. Oh, he directed it. It okay. was written by Joseph Allen Johnson, who also starred as Alex. And he is from Slumber Party Massacre. He's one of the boys, Neil. And uh, he's in Berserker. It stars, also from Slumber Party Massacre, Deborah DeLiso as Trina. She was Kimberly in Slumber Party Massacre. Uh, Wednesday Adams herself, Lisa Loring as Jeanette. I told Mitch during her nude scenes, I was like, you know, I bet a lot of people were probably pretty stoked to see this. And he was like, why? I was like, I'll tell you later. (laughs) Yeah, because I had no idea. Yeah, so she played Wednesday Adams in the original Adams Family. That's amazing. Wow. Huh. Doug Stevenson as Corey. He was in The Prowler, and he was actually married to Lisa Loring. So Corey and Jeanette were married in real life. Interesting. Ron Kolagy as Carl. He was in Cards of Death. Elizabeth Gorsi as Diane. She was pretty in a lot of big movies in the early 80s and then like dropped off. She was in Footloose, Teen Wolf. And Granville, USA. Nice. John Cook as John. He was in The Puppet Masters. Um, Dan Smith as Jeff. And also as Biff, who I'm not really sure who Biff was. Um, But that was Rodney Montague. He would go on to work in visual effects. And he worked on such films as Night of the Demons 2, Time Master, Galaxy Quest, Almost Famous, Nice, Monkey Bone. These are names. Dude, I where's recognize. my car? Of course. Scooby Doo, Equilibrium, The Matrix uh, Reloaded and Revolutions, Stephen King's Dreamcatcher, Snakes on a Plane, Inglorious Bastards, Forty Seven Ronin, Geostorm. Geostorm. So he went to have mm. quite the the career, and the cinematographer for this was done uh, was Eugene Shugheit who also did Hide and Go Shriek. And he was the worked as a DP on The Evil Dead 2. Quite the intersection of talent. It was. So we start with some pretty boss skiing scenes. Mm-hmm. We meet Corey, uh, Jeff, and Trina. Trina and Corey seem to be having a thing, which oh, makes yeah. Jeff mad because Urgh. he's supposed to be with Trina. So he does the 80s ski movie thing and he challenges Corey to a ski off for Trina's honor. Yeah, you can tell that they're into each other because he's uh, 
unclasping her boot, her <laughs> ski boot. And then he stabs right by his hand with the... the My s- word, you might see her ankle. Exactly. Like, it's a duel. And as you said, they have to go down... Easily the most extreme ski course I've ever seen in my life. And the rest of the friends tease Trina about it, which is kind of weird because they're all clearly adults. Yes. It's, ooh, she's got such a power over men. So these two guys start ripping some ski, baby. I loved the close-ups of them where it was very obvious that they were not skiing. Yeah, there's just a fan on them. I will say that I enjoyed the shots of the snow flying up into the black sky. I thought the contrast looked really good. Oh, definitely. I just thought it was funny because like, by the end of it, they're like going down a moderate... <laughs> incline. Like a wheelchair ramp, essentially, through a bunch of trees. And I was like, hmm... Doesn't seem like much of a challenge, but what do I know? I've never skied before in my life. Basically, Jeff is blue suit guy, mm-hmm. and Corey is dressed as the German flag. Naturally. I was kind of hoping that they would each have a signature color like the Power Rangers, but they had a pretty much just going for a blue and red scheme with their clothes yeah. later. And white. Red, yeah. white, and blue. Whoa. I wonder if that has any significance. <laughs> So Jeff wipes out, and he gets mad, really mad. Like, disproportionately mad for the little tumble that he To took. Corey's benefit, I will say Corey was like, are you okay, man? Do you need any help or whatever? And mm-hmm. then he's having, like, a little tantrum in the snow, basically. And we are off to the ski lodge. It's New Year's Eve. Uh, we get a little slice of life of our cast. Mm-hmm. Trina has totally changed her clothes. She and Jeanette both wearing headbands. Of course, they're on the slopes. And she's leaving with Corey as, like, Jeff is getting there. Yeah. And And they have some sexual tension. Corey, like, grabs Jeff, and he's... They're sort of, like, pushing each other, like, God, I I can't, I hate you, but I can't get away from you. Gets all up in his grill. Very embarrassing. And then later, Jeff is like, I can't go sit with my friends it's they're just making fun of me the whole time mm-hmm. and it was some pretty light razzing he's like hey you need a drink after that loss or something like which that. is like it's pathetic that you did it to begin with <laughs> oh because they make fun of him because he skied on the alps or something yeah it's a big thing for them uh, to make fun of him because he did so terribly against Corey when he's supposedly such a little hot shot yeah he Ends up going off by himself, seemingly. As we find out at the Mm -hmm. end, he was not talking to himself. But he does this whole monologue about how mean everybody is. Which, there's no kindness. I feel like I could kill them. What a bunch of jerks. No kindness whatsoever. Like the time in the clinic in Switzerland. You know it was nothing really serious. Nothing like that. But I, I tell them I ski the Alps, right? You don't even know the real reason I that. So, Corey picks up on Starts questioning my integrity as a skier. 
It's like his time at the clinic in Switzerland. He's having this whole conversation mm-hmm. with someone who's just off screen, so it looks like he's talking to himself. He's being a little whiny baby about the whole situation. He's drinking. And then later in his hotel room, he hears Corey and Trina laughing and giggling. <gasps> oh, yeah. Also, they're arm wrestling. It's really weird. And he just barges in there. Rude. Very rude. You can't have giggling and laughing. She came up here with him after all. I thought Trina did a very good job of dealing with him. Yes. The whole, he was like, you came up here with me. And she says, I came here alone. Uh Uh-oh. I'm sorry if I gave you... I I liked her here. And Jeff goes to get physical, and she fully pins him up against the wall. Yeah. She puts him in his place, even though they've all been clearly drinking. Yeah. Oh, very drunk. He runs out and goes back to his room, and he gets his uh, ski, ski pole. Ski, he's way ahead of the COVID wave. Oh, yeah. this little mask on. He puts a little gator over his face, and he's like, I'm Batman now. I guess the rest of his face would be covered by goggles anyway. That's so true. It's really probably the only protection he's super needs. Mm-hmm. So he gets his ski poles, and then he steals Eddie's Yeah, skis. He, just, he happens upon Eddie in the hallway and just like, give me those freaking drinks. Climbs up the mountain, very drunk at this point. Trina and Corey start having sex. Uh, she's red, he's blue. It's really, I thought it was a very weird sex scene. There's a lot of flesh. But I will say, this movie really objectifies men in a way that I was sort of here for. The amount of butts like man butts in this movie for most of their sex scene. It's like a gratuitous close up of Corey's ass. It was a great, butt, but it was very noticeable that a lot, there's a lot of lingering shots and nude dudes in this. movie. Yes. And it would cut from, from the poor skiing to the butt to the poor skiing. Then they'd be having sex in a chair. And they're just sort of flopping around together. With the TV turned to like a dead channel, as you usually do. The sound of all good sexual encounters, that hiss of just <laughs> cosmic radiation pouring into a cathode ray tube. Ultimately, Jeff ends up wiping out in the snow and dying somehow. Yeah, well, because he, he goes off a jump, and you know those jumps... They always have a giant collection of boulders right underneath them where <laughs> anyone could fall on them. You know, this being a professional ski resort. And he dies to death on Cut those boulders. Two, four years later. Bum, bum, bum. Very classic driving to the place scene with good music as well. <laughs> Our whole group of friends have been invited uh, and then there were none style to this ski lodge for a timeshare uh sales pitch trina and Corey have married uh they're all going to look at these villas i also liked how they explained this away where they were like well the ski shops probably sold all of our information which is very relevant today (laughs) which makes sense and like definitely is re-explained later uh, it was also very weird because it was obvious that Jeanette was not in the car with them. Oh. Like, because it would just be uh, them shot from the back seat, and then Jeanette shot from the front seat, and you never saw them interacting otherwise. And Jeanette and Eddie are still together, but they have, he's cheating on her all the time, mm-hmm. and he's very busy with business. Office politics means that he has an excuse to be mean to her. But, I mean, she's a PR person for a cosmetics firm, Mm -hmm. which is pretty awesome. And she's got the hair to prove it, let me tell you. And he maybe won't be coming because they're 
in a fight or something. Mm-hmm. So we go to Eddie's car. Eddie has a mustache. That's his character trait. Yeah, that's how you track him from four he, years he ago. He drives right by a hidden road close mm-hmm. sign, and he crashes into a snowbank. Which he seems like any idiot could have avoided the snowbank. He accidentally knocks a cigarette on the ground, and it makes a point to show it. I was like, To a point where I was like, is the car going to explode or catch on fire or something? Because that would be kind of cool. Yeah, like, it did oh, oh, no, your folly for smoking and not paying attention to where you're driving <laughs> is your car got lit on fire somehow. He gets out, he grabs his bags, mm-hmm. and there's a snowplow watching him. Uh-oh. It starts encroaching. And there's this awesome shot that they have a few times, sort of like the Michael Myers mask effect, mm-hmm. where it's like a broken ski mask that looks like teeth. Yeah, the orange glass in it. Ooh. Anyway, I liked it. No, I liked it too. Oh, and he runs Eddie over and smushes him. Smushes Very him quickly, into a big just like red streak. And there's a coat in the streak also. We get also get a shot of while he's like driving up to Eddie of the truck reflected in, the glasses? in his I like that too. It's coming right at you, man. The rest of the crew arrives at the cabin or villa that they'll be staying at for this luxurious ski mm-hmm. weekend. And they're being watched. Luckily, the door is just open. So they walk in. Yep, Everyone loves it. The fridge is already filled with food. And Jeanette goes upstairs to check the bedroom, and she gets uh, sexually harassed by Carl for the first he time. Jumps out of the closet and just max on forcibly her. kisses her, and she's like, "Ugh!" And he is a man who has certainly already hit the slopes, if you know what I mean, because he's high on cocaine. He, he's already been playing in the snow, if you catch my drift. He's already doing freaking... lots of cocaine, if you if you get my meaning. Up his nose. And into his gums with his te- his fingies. <laughs> they all end up sitting around talking. Mm-hmm. The whole time Jeanette's eating this carrot. I was, I, yeah. it was obviously supposed to be a phallic, I would assume. But like, I can't. I wonder why. Uh, maybe because she's a ski bunny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Then they make dinner. And the whole time Trina's doing this arm rep thing. Yes. I guess that's how we know she's so strong. Bizarre, though, because she's, like, having a serious conversation and reading a recipe with the other hand while she's, like... Talking about how shitty Eddie is to Jeanette. So she brought these weights with her? That's yeah, dedication. That is fucking dedication. She's got to keep those arms toned for her husband. Yes. <laughs> they get a call from the real estate guy who is in charge of all of these villas. Alex. Alex Bourne. And immediately, Jeanette is like, oh ho. Hello, Hello, Alex. Alex. Why don't you all come over and fuck me in the ass sometimes? Exactly. Because she's also dissatisfied at home. And cut to another dissatisfied couple, Mm -hmm. Diane and John, driving there. bizarre relationship. I thought that she was pregnant because they have, there's a, like a thing in their mm-hmm. window that says there's a baby baby doc on board and i thought that meant like she was pregnant with a baby doctor but it's that he's a pediatrician yeah yeah i guess it's kind of funny you just gotta they're really trying to sell that he's a pediatrician yes and yeah, but, but with a heart of fucking coal because <laughs> he's got professional detachment that's how he can be so nasty to her Okay. Remember, he's just like callously talking to her like, uh. Yeah. Oh, he's very dismissive of her. Everyone is kind of dismissive of Diane. And then she sort of ends up being like. The only right one. They, 
talk about it later where she is the one who knew Jeff. They had been lifelong friends. And I don't know why they mentioned that so close to the end. Or like in the middle. It could have introduced it a little bit more where she's like, no, you can't go. I promised your folks. Yeah. Like at the beginning, that would make sense, but they, they didn't do that. Maybe they did at some point. And then it was just sort of like a a reshoot situation. Cutting room. I always like to give at least a little bit of leeway for that. Where no, I it like, could have been mentioned, and then they were like, well, no, we have to reshoot this. I like to state that each and every movie that we review is exactly the, the director's original vision, completely faithful, and not changed at all due to the needs of the moment or budgetary constraints. And at the slopes, Carl and Corey are skiing together. <laughs> and again... Such intense sexual tension. Ooh, very strange to me. It, it, when he put his head in his lap. Yeah, Corey fully lays in Carl's lap. It, I was like, hmm. It looked like they were moments away from kissing. And I don't mean that in a straight men showing affection to each other. No, it's gay kind of way. It's a, but put, fully these two dudes have chemistry that says, we would like to be kissing right now. Putting your head in someone else's lap like that is like the ultimate, like submissive like well it's more it's like a we're more than friends this is a little bit more than (laughs) when they're alone and they're just goofing alone and they talk about jeff dying and how trina still feels guilty but it's like get over it it's been four years whatever yeah and i don't know it was very weird we meet alex the real estate guy as he's having a flashback to finding jeff's body which they say is him having a premonition, which sort of factors in later, but it's just the fact that he's yeah. crazy, I guess. I guess. He's it's having not a, it's PTSD. A, yeah, flashback. Yeah. So it's it's a premonition to something that already happened. It, it was weird. <laughs> and so John and Diane arrive at the cabin. Mm-hmm. Jeanette's waiting for Eddie, who hasn't arrived yet. She takes Diane and John up to their room. I did like how everybody kept checking in to see how she was doing because they could obviously tell that shit was weird with her relationship. Yes, she's being real squirrely about it. And as soon as she's out of the room, Mm -hmm. John gifts Diane some earrings or something? I didn't know what it was. It was hard to tell in the quality of it. And it was so out of character for this entire car ride up where they're sort of like... I, I don't know, we're barely simmering on the edge of an argument here. But he rebuffs her obvious sexual advances. Mm -hmm. And she leaves, and then he finds a newspaper article about Jeff's death in the dresser. Clipped out and everything. Um, I loved the part in this scene where uh, Jeanette and Diane are just standing in the doorway, and John is trying to move their giant Samsonite suitcases past (laughs) them and can't because they're standing in the goddamn doorway. There were a lot of those little relationship things that I really did like about this movie. I thought it did a good job of establishing sort of the friendship between the two. If it was a little lackluster and could have been fleshed out more, but I mean, they made more of an attempt to make these into real characters than some of the movies that we watch. Yes. I think Jeanette was probably the most fleshed out character. Mm-hmm. I felt really bad for her a lot of the time. Yes. Well, like the scene before when she's worried about Eddie and she's like, Doing this thing with her hands, mm-hmm. like that, like from that, the hand, hand thing, thing yep. the hand thing. I don't know. And with those long nails on, <laughs> very striking uh, uh, manifestation of anxiety. From outside, the killer watches as they leave the house to go find Carl and Corey, and he, they all have their little reunion. 
And the killer's hiding behind a This was another bow. interesting character thing because Carl is seemingly having a very rough time during them talking. He's like rubbing the yeah. collar of his jacket. Like, yeah, a, he what's that called? It. It's like when you like rub it and it's like sensing out or something. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's uh, like self soothing almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he obviously wanted more drugs. Oh, yeah, more cocaine. <laughs> it takes them, it would seem a very long time to get back inside because by the time they walk through the door, it's. Fully dark outside. It's always dark outside, it feels like. <laughs> and Carl goes up to his room for, you know, more drugs because he loves drugs. He can't get Cocaine enough. Cocaine is awesome. The drugs. Thank you. The women continue making dinner, talking about how Diane's mother won't let up because Trina got married and why aren't and she, she and was, John getting married? And Trina was such a beautiful bride. Get another male nude scene mm-hmm. with Carl doing drugs. Uh, he's Extended like extended takes of his butt. He's he's like carefully cutting out very thin rails, but as we see later, he just fucking does it, man. Well, yeah, and he cuts himself with the razor blade that he was using to cut the the lines with, and then he's just like, I'm gonna spoon it into my mouth. With but my it hands. doesn't happen though. It does. It was a dream. But then. Then after that happens, he just dumps out a whole bunch and is like, ha ha. And it's I like truly that. a large amount of cocaine. Like He wakes up. He finds out that this whole thing has been a dream because uh, he sees himself lying dead in the bed. Completely cut up and everything. And then he wakes up with John coming up to confront him about the news article because he thinks Carl's the one who mm-hmm. put it there. And then he finds a gun in Carl's drawer. Um, What's but, this then? Oh, my God. Yeah. Because when John... Like, he grabs the gun from John, sorry, mm-hmm. and he fully holds it like it's a, his cock. I, he keeps playing with it. He's holding it like I've never seen any, anyone There is a scene where he literally like holds it right where his dick would be, and, like, his bathrobe is all the way Ugh. up, and it's like the gun is his dick, and he's, like, rubbing it, stroking he's it. He's, like, mashing it. He puts it, it in his mouth at one point. Mashing it between his two hands, like he's playing patty cake. It's weird. And then jo- uh, Carl, nope. John leaves, mm-hmm. and Carl just uses the whole full-body mirror as his Coke mirror. I thought that was very funny. I, and like I said, it was like a beanie baby that he poured out there. Like, Oh, yeah, it was like a full pile, like a Scarface pile of Coke. That's too much, man. <laughs> you can't need that much. He must. He it was must. the late ladies, baby. Hmm. There's gotta. We need to invent an efficient system for people like this to ingest powdered cocaine, so they don't have to do this because it seems wasteful. <laughs> you just shove it up his ass, I guess. I guess. They eat dinner that night, and John tells this story about how he and Diane went to an encounter group, and everybody was naked. Even the instructor. So they went to a drive-in instead, which sparks almost a scream-like deconstruction of the genre. And it was a level of self-awareness that this movie had that didn't really come back to play elsewise. You want to talk about bizarre stuff? One time, Diane and I went to this encounter group. You know, we, (laughs) we were having... Anyway, we went to this encounter group. We walk in, and everyone in it is totally nude, including this, <laughs> including this leader, about three hundred pounds, sitting up front talking about life and God. Oh, oh, God. No. We said, "Screw this." We went to a drive-in movie, and uh, it, was, it was snowing, wasn't it? No, in the summer, idiot. We went to some awful sci-fi flick. Yeah. Oh, it was great. <laughs> it was awful. I was a teenage Martian lesbo or something. 
<laughs> you know, one of those flicks where the only time you watch the screen is if there's someone naked or someone getting killed or both. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. I had a guy take me to the drive-in in the rain once. Well, he couldn't see the screen. The speaker was on my side and kept raining in through the crack. I couldn't get my door open either. Lucky for him. I flooded the car. When I finally did get it open, I stepped into a foot of water. Sounds like a real hot date. Truly memorable. <laughs> I didn't have any tits, hardly. And I was terrified my secret would be discovered. I stuffed my bra with toilet paper. <laughs> he was frantic, trying to get into my bra. So I said I wanted to go to the snack bar, the best diversion I could come up with, right? But when I got back, my tits were soggy from the rain. You should have seen his face. Quit staring at my chest. I snagged a few babes in the drive-in. I'm sure you did. Uh, and then Trina tells her story about going to the drive-in where she stuffed her bra and stuff. It was And it was weird. raining. So when she... Because she didn't want to get found out for having... Uh, toilet paper in her, in her bra. bra. Yeah. So she went out to discreetly dump it, but by the time she came back, it was all like mushed up. Mm -hmm. Terrible. Should have seen the look on the guy's face. Mm -hmm. There's they throw on some shots of people skiing, and then Alex laying in a bathtub, fantasizing about having sex with Jeanette, and he has perfect gay porn tan lines. Oh, nice! Like he's got the full like his ass in like a a speedo sort of. Uh, underwear. Well, you gotta look good for your nude are scene. Are totally white, and then the rest of his body is extremely tan. <laughs> That's the nouveau riche in LA for you. Am I right? <laughs> so it's a montage. He gets a phone call from his dad, mm -hmm. and then there's a montage of him getting ready and Jeanette getting ready. And she's putting on lingerie. She's morally conflicted. Uh, and then when he gets there, I absolutely loved the scene where he's bathed <laughs> in this like smoky ethereal glow. steam and what have you do, 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 do. a real dream date uh, and and we get the camera going from his shoes yep to like his all the, the way up. top of his all head. the way up baby i mean he's dressed for winter so it's not like there's you know <laughs> what i mean there's not much you're taking in he gets to do that whole uh timeshare sales pitch sort of thing to them all well i was like wow he's being super laid back about it but i mean i guess as we later learn, dun dun dun. Yeah. He's the killer. Yeah. Which so, again kind of doesn't make sense if you take into account some of the like POV shots of the killer from earlier. Oh, definitely. And but, like he's one of those like very lucky killers. Like he just happens to come across Eddie. Yeah. He happens to bleeby bluey blue. Uh Carl is very abrasive the whole time, mm -hmm. obviously, because he's high. And Trina goes to make coffee and they do like a Chekhov's ominous pie knife mm -hmm. shot dun 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 which does come back later it does come back much later so someone ate the rest of the pie leaving only one slice so alex goes to uh leave mm -hmm. and jeanette makes her move at least stay until it stops snowing but it's that will be for all night <laughs> i know i know so Diane and Trina immediately take Jeanette aside and they're like, what are you doing? This is, you're being very obvious here. Could you just be my friend for five minutes? <laughs> Why are you being my friend? Why are you being so mean to me? They got to help her get some dick, which yeah. I agree with. It's, I know. You spent this whole time talking about how shitty Eddie is and she's like, I'm about to get me some rich dick. 
can you please be my wing women for a minute? Maybe they're just worried about how Eddie's going to respond to this, having not seen him in four years. Well, they. Now, I think she tells him they've broken up. Yeah, but then he's like, he's going to come. So, like, what if he comes... And who says that he's gonna come? Eddie has been like, "Oh, I might come later." So it's like this sort of Damocles hanging over them the whole time. Like Eddie could come while they're in the middle of this. Eddie could not come. Who knows? I mean, he's probably not gonna come. But cue Jeanette and Alex in front of the fire, mm-hmm. and they have such a fantastic conversation. The dialogue, a dream. They're they're pointing their legs away from each other and their heads are meeting in the middle right at the base of the fire. He's very wealthy. A jaded L.A. thrill seeker. (laughs) They're both blue bloods. This is beautiful here. You must love it. Yes, it's nice. But I've been here a while. I sort of miss the big city. You know, you haven't told me about yourself yet. Who are you? You're very direct. So am I. Well, then? I've lived a very privileged life. My family is fairly wealthy, which is no great handicap. I've been everywhere, done everything. I guess you might say I'm just a jaded L.A. thrill seeker. (laughs) We're a lot alike. I come from a well-to-do family. Not megabucks like yours, but uh, I went to good schools. Was a debutante? Oh, I could tell right away. Well, it does leave its scars. Lovely skin. Thank you. I like to ski. I like my job. What do you do? Oh, public relations work for a cosmetics firm. Oh, the benefits are great. Free makeup. Oh, sounds very nice. What happens after Snow Peak? Well, I have my choice. I could stay here. But my father, his health isn't very good, and uh, he needs me to help run our base of operations. Oh, noblesse oblige. You might say that. What are you staring at? You. May I kiss you? Yes, you may. And then it's intercut with the scenes of them having sex, which I don't think ever actually happens. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, What I did love the most is that they start kissing and then it cuts to a wide shot of the scene and they're just laying in front of everybody. It's like everybody kissing. It's so funny. It's because they're having their own little moment. It's it's like the world's just the two of them. (laughs) It's so weird. Well, okay. here's another part that doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. because they get a phone call and John's like, oh, it's Eddie. So Jeanette answers it, and the call says, it's Eddie. I'm with Jeff now. And then hangs up. Dun, dun, dun. It spooks her, so they have to tell Alex about it. And he knows Jeff Stinson because he was on the same list that they all were. And he accepted the invitation, so he assumed Mr. Stinson. They all take it to an 11. It's so overwrought, and I loved every fucking second of it. Screaming, I believe uh, Diane throws something and a glass shatters. Also, I could be mistaken, but the background music sounded a lot like an instrumental of, what do you do with a drunken sailor? What do you do with a drunken sailor? (laughs) That's great. I'll put it in the episode and see if I'm right. It was strange. He said, This is Eddie. I'm here with Jeff now. What? 
He said, I'm here with Jack now. Wait, what's going on? Eddie just called. I'm sorry. That was some old friends of ours. They're not coming? No, they're not coming. Eddie's my soon-to-be ex-boyfriend, and Jeff's... Jeff's dead! Jeff was a friend of ours who died in an accident. Jeff Stinson. What? Did you know him? No, but I thought he was coming with you. I mean, his name was on the list. What list? The list of people in your party. What are you talking about? I sent Jeff Stinson an invitation and he accepted. Did you actually speak to him? Hey, man. Where the hell did you get our names from anyways? Hey, cool it. Damn it! We buy mailing lists. Listen, we all checked in at the same hotel that weekend, right? We checked in at the same time. Do you buy these lists from resort hotels? That's right, we do. And no, I didn't speak with him. I only talked to you. The actual mailings were handled by our office. We didn't realize Jeff's name would be on the list. He's dead. You invited a dead man. And he accepted. Alex goes, Alex leaves. He kisses Janeka mm-hmm. bye. And like then deeply kisses her. They Take start care. yelling at each other, accusing Carl of being responsible mm-hmm. for this. And we get some exposition about Diane, who is the one who was friends with Jeff since she was five. And mm-hmm. she set him and Trina up. And then uh, his family damned me. All of the inquisitions. His mother hates me now. So it's sort of setting it up to be like a Friday the 13th style. And in some terrible, terrible timing, John gets a phone call that he has to go do an emergency C-section. Fetal distress. You know those pediatricians always doing C-sections. <laughs> oh, true. I didn't yeah, even think about that. So that bizarre. Have to be an so bizarre. You definitely don't want a pediatrician cutting open your guts. <laughs> Diane is sleeping upstairs at this time, so he doesn't want to wake her up. He just goes out to warm the car. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeanette and Trina go up to talk to Diane as she packs. And outside, John ends up getting killed. With a ski a pole. ski pole through, through the, the back, back of the seat. neck. Ouch. Right through, the, right through the spine. Pretty standard slasher movie kill. Would hurt. Um, Diane comes out, and she gets into the car, and she... The killer slides down the windshield. And she's... She's able to run away. She's screaming the whole time. She gets back to the front porch and is, like, banging on the door. Nobody answers. What the hell? I'm not sure why. What the fuck was that about? Because... They're bad friends. uh, Jeanette and Carl are both awake. I guess. I really hated it. No one heard her (laughs) scream. No one heard her knocking. And she ends up getting killed by an icicle. We don't see how right away. Got two more down, two more cast members. Quick, quick succession here. Uh, And then, meanwhile, Carl and Jeanette talking about the idea of it being a ghost. I want to make your blood pulse again. I want to make. I would love to make the blood pulse hard in your veins again. She talks about how she feels bad about just throwing herself at Alex, and then Carl fully assaults her. Yeah, he's like holding her down, like he's breaking her back over his his leg. It's and awful. Like I felt so uncomfortable watching it. Gross. Way so graphic <laughs> and unex. I mean, like not unexpected for this character, but unexpected for this movie. Yeah, especially because it has no repercussions and it, there's no follow up to it. Yeah, she just because she just ends up going out to the hot tub. Exactly where it was like what this was what she was waiting. 
no, I don't know. It does it not just seem sort of like writes all. it off. It just seems. Ugh, I hate so it, it goes from there to we see the killer set up some bear traps mm-hmm. in the snow, which is honestly a pretty good idea. And then he goes to Jeanette in a jacuzzi mm-hmm. where she's naked rubbing herself. Okay. And this is where we come back to that mysterious phone call from earlier. Okay. So we had earlier seen in Alex's office, he was setting up some sort of machine connected to his phone. Okay. The thing that gets thrown into the hot tub is the same machine. Ah. So I believe that was an like auto an auto dialer. dialer. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense then. I'm, I'm, and that may not be true. Please let me know if I'm wrong. I was pretty bummed when Jeanette died because, like I said, I think she was the only character that got real development. I thought she was the protagonist. It would have made sense. It did. It just completely lops off that part of the tree. Yeah. Like, honestly, she or uh, Diane would have made good protagonists. Yeah. I didn't hate Trina, but ultimately she's just boring. She was the least fleshed out of She has no, I don't even, I couldn't tell you a personality trait. Lift weight. Yeah, that's true. Put weight down. That's it. Big <laughs> strong. And she can move the desk. So Carl wakes up. He gets his gun. Mm-hmm. He looks outside. He sees the killer swinging a lantern, lantern. with blood in it. Oh. And he leaves it in the snow by where the bear trap is buried. Oh, which smart. is a very smart move. And then when Carl goes out to get it, he follows the trail and he ends up stepping in the traps and, and falling into a trap. I love it because he steps in one. And starts screaming and tries to get away. Steps in the other and then shoots the gun. Two times into the air. Yeah. So that means he had to pull it all the way down and then release and put all the way down again because it's a revolver. <laughs> and the sound of the gun wakes up Corey back at the cabin. I mean, how? They're, they they must sleep so soundly. And he's got to get up and have some late night pie and look for Carl in the dark. I was fully like, oh, that pie. Oh, yeah, it brings back our... Full of glass oh. or something. But no, because he's eating it. At first, I'm like, oh, is it poison or something? And he's like sort of being like... Whoa, whoa. No, see, I had noticed the close-up on the pie knife earlier, so I knew that he was going to get stabbed with the mm. pie knife. It was but like a Chekhov's knife. To me, the way it was Chekhov's pie. I see. see it wasn't, though. Isn't this beautiful, the way that we can <laughs> interpret this differently? Like all true art. Yeah. He's very quickly dispatched by this knife. Especially by getting stabbed in the shoulder. Yeah. I mean, ultimately he ends up being fine, which is kind of like bullshit. Mm -hmm. He probably should have died. But whatever. That's it. We'll do that in our uh, rewrites and our punch-ups of this movie. I really think they could remake this movie (laughs) much better. In the morning, our last remaining person, relatively boring Trina, wakes Mm -hmm. up. She finds the powers out. And for some reason, despite it being day, she gets a flashlight immediately. Yeah, her purse flashlight. Everybody's gone. She finds Jeanette's body frozen in the hot tub, Mm -hmm. hair still perfectly quaffed. So again, a little bit different than how Jeanette actually died. Yeah, so frozen top, presumably soupy warm bottom, and then the the calling... Jeff was here. The calling machine is there, and it says that on it. Uh Uh Uh-oh. Jeffrey. Like written on it. The calling machine is not... Oh, that'd be cool. But I guess there's no power. (laughs) She finds Corey in the kitchen. croaking. Barely alive. Um, She goes to run, but she doesn't put pants on. No, she puts a jacket on. I would think that there would have been snow pants there if they'd all been a We know there were snow pants. I definitely would take the time to at least 
step into snow pants that you can pull up while you're running. I don't know. Who who am I to say what I would do in a <laughs> similar chalet murder situation? She runs outside, but she drops the keys in the snow. Oh, oh man. man. So she has to dig around in the snow with no pants on. She runs to John and Diane's car, and she finds them dead. Diane has the icicle stabbed in her forehead I like guess an icicle corn. I did enjoy that this happens during the day because it usually doesn't because the yeah these final girl body discoveries almost always happen at night sorry if you can hear the dog she's really making herself known this episode she's barking earlier Mm -hmm. now she's doing her scratching djing the couch thing she's staring at us being like oh boy when is this gonna be over so trina goes and she goes to Carl's body. Mm-hmm. She prized the gun from his cold, cold dead, dead hands. <laughs> and she remembers to get his keys. And we talked about this when it happened. I honestly think that she should have grabbed his Coke because it would have been a good idea if the hypothermia started to set in. Yeah, or something. Kind of like a revenge well, situation where with yeah. that peyote or ayahuasca but or whatever it was. That gave her the, the, the strength to ignore the overwhelming pain of being yeah. impaled. Um, I, I wish that the Coke wasn't in his boot. It should have been with the car keys by his heart. It means so much to him. True. God, <laughs> he did, loved that cocaine. That would have explained the why cocaine he kept, was his wife. That would have explained why he kept touching that part of his jacket too. Right. Oh, True. That would have. Uh, anyways, kind of frustrating. And also he wore a different jacket to die in than he did when he was rubbing the collar. Probably because rubbing the collar one was fur-lined and expensive. Exactly. (laughs) Don't want to destroy it. Anyway, Trina goes back inside. She finds Alex's Mm. business card, and she calls him instead of the police. He answers. She asks for help. I'll be right there. I I really don't understand why she called him instead of calling just the police. And he's like, oh, I'm going to get... I'll call the police. I'll be right over. She gets into the corner with a gun, which is very reminiscent of her in Slumber Party Massacre, where they all, exactly. the three of them get there And with I the was knives. like, this is perfect. She's in an elevated position on the mezzanine on the stairs, in the corner. Nothing's going to get to her. The cocaine would have come in handy because she just fucking falls asleep. Come on. She just slept all night through everyone getting murdered. I thought that this was pretty cheap. You know what I mean? Yeah. I... <sighs> Whatever. The killer comes in and starts attacking her, but Corey comes back to life, mm-hmm. pulls the knife out of himself, which is a terrible idea. Shouldn't do that. Completely needless. There's a freaking kitchen filled with knives here, dude. He just has to save his wife. So he's crawling. Ooh, baby, he's crawling. Trina goes upstairs, and again, very much like Slumber Party Massacre, she barricades the door and she stands there with some scissors mm-hmm. waiting to stab him because ultimately she's the one who ends up getting stabbed at yes. this part in Slumber Party Massacre. Um, but when he comes in, it's just like Alex's voice. Yeah, Alex. Uh-oh. Alex, he's here. Be careful, Alex. Oh, it's okay. Cops are on the way. The door starts getting broken down and mm-hmm. she tries to stab him with the, the scissors. scissors. But he knocks them under the bed, so she grabs them and she hides under there. The killer's footsteps get closer, the tension builds, and then she stabs him in the shin with the scissors, which doesn't seem to do anything. He jumps on top of her and starts groping her in an unpleasant 
to watch Manor. Yes, and she is like, who is this? So she just removes his disguise, and... It's Alex. Oh, Duh. my God. Who, who could have whom? He has this? a fake leg because that night he was there. He was talking to Jeff. Jeff just off camera. He had a bitchin' mullet at the time. And a similar red suit to... Uh, the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he, and oh, he agreed 100% with everything that Jeff was saying. So when he went to go save Jeff later, he too fell off the ledge and super broke his leg, Got which resulted in him losing it. And I was really fucking pissed about it because he would have been a champion skier. It ruined a his life. A champion skier. It was like he died. His father his never treated him the him same and way. Everyone again. felt sorry for him. Oh, and then no. Corey comes in and shoots him. Falls over the balcony, wraps his uh, false leg in some cords, oh, no. which pulls it off, and then he dies without it in the snow. Oh, no. And then we time jump five more years into the future. It's too bad his other leg wasn't broken while he was dying. That would have been funny. Yeah. Five years in the future, Trina and Corey are back at Why? the cabin with their kids. Mm. They probably got a hell of a price on it. Sir, your I, son tried to murder us? I guess, but let me tell you, man. Once, and all of these people were murdered there. Once bitten, twice shy, third time's the friggin' what the hell? <laughs> you, you basically want your precocious little tater tot child to be murdered. It's just a, a setup for this weird, the killer's never dead ending. Yes. Where they're building this unusually large snowman. With a tiny head. Trina goes to put the eye back on. It starts bleeding, and then out jumps Ghost Jeff. Weird ending. The end. I did like this movie, though. I know you weren't too keen on it. I want to see it in Blu-ray HD, because I feel like that will really bring it home. Uh, But... I don't know. There's these were all very unhappy people. Did remind me kind of of Shredder, the yeah. snowboarding one. It was very similar. Although in Shredder, wasn't it like an abandoned ski lodge? Yes, or something? because a kid had died. Yeah, or someone died, and then she was her daddy's gonna buy it and re- renovate it. Yeah, something like that. Yes, exactly yeah. that. But very similar. I don't know thoughts. How would Diane not know Alex? I don't know. If they're all such close... if Well, if Diane is such a close friend to Jeff, and, and Jeff and Alex are such close friends, and they all just happen to be the exact same ski resort... I don't know if they were close resort. friends, or if they were just... He was a ear to listen. Mm. I don't know. I'm not really super sure. Oh, it's true, because really, he was most mad about losing his leg, not yeah, about not Jeff. Jeff. That's true. He blamed Jeff. Yeah, for the whole loss of the leg situation. But also, what's her face for (laughs) rejecting Jeff? It's a really easy six degrees of Jamie Lee for this one. Elizabeth Grossi or Gorsi was in Grandview, USA with Jamie Lee Curtis. So, one degree. Excellent. Yes. I honestly would have assumed it would have been more, but no. Hey, man, you take what you can get. Kind of a short episode this week. I guess we didn't really have very much to talk about this movie. No, it was pretty straightforward. And there was a lot of talking about very specific things that could be summed up in like one sentence. 
Should we do the social media role, or do we have anything sure. else we want to talk about? I can't think of anything else. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Definitely First Blood. You can follow us on Twitter at Def First Blood. Email us at DefinitelyFirstBlood at gmail.com. We should be back for an episode next week, mm-hmm. barring Mitch's COVID test coming back positive, in which case maybe we won't feel like it. But we shall see. So, bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.